Hello and welcome to Best Comics Ever. I'm your host, Dave Buse, and founder and editor of Chief of ComicBookHerald.com. I'm jumping in here with an introduction to let you know that today's Kraken Krakoa number 4821 Sinister Secrets Solved is very visual dependent. Uh, I am referring to Mr. Sinister's secrets that he unveils in issues like Powers of Ten, number four, and Marauders number one, number eight in the X-Men Dawn of X. And if you don't have the theories or riddles in front of you, it may be difficult to follow along. So proceed at your own leisure, of course, as always. But if you are interested in actually seeing these, I've got everything displayed up in the post on comicbookherald.com, which you can find a link to in the show notes, or you can follow along via the YouTube video via Comic Book Herald's YouTube channel that is just called Comic Book Herald. So cracking Krakoa number 48, it will help definitely to see the riddles because I don't read them aloud. I just sort of talk about them and my theories for all of them. If that sounds exciting, again, go on over to comicbookherald.com, check out the post, or go to the Comic Book Herald YouTube channel. Otherwise, please enjoy, and as always, thanks for your support and uh, just general, you know, fandom and, and sharing that with me. Always appreciate it. So thanks, everybody, and enjoy the comics. Since Powers of Ten number 4, some of the more tantalizing mysteries and riddles in X-Men comics can be found in Mr. Sinister's Sinister Secrets, a gossip column found in the pages of various books. Today I'll answer, what's the meaning behind every Sinister riddle released so far in the Dawn of X? What do the Sinister Secrets mean for X-Men comics in 2020? And why Sinister Secrets has continued in the pages of Marauders and not the Hickman-written X-Men? Hello, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of ComicBookHerald.com. If you like the CBH YouTube channel or podcast, please consider liking, subscribing, and sharing. Links to CBH channels, including new uploads to IGTV and Patreon support, are included in the show notes. You can find full X-Men and comic book reading orders, for example, a Mr. Sinister reading order, on ComicBookHerald.com. Spoilers for discussed comics may follow. Sinister Secret Number 1 from Powers of Ten Number 4. The most direct interpretation is to continue scanning X-Men comics for a Mr. Sinister clone wearing red shoes. Since that hasn't appeared yet, although we have recently seen Sinister coveting Exodus's epaulets, it's tempting to explore alternate meanings for this riddle. There's actually an astonishing range of symbolism for red shoes, from pop culture connections to Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, to feminist movements to straight-up Satanism, you know, to hide the blood drops from all your sacrifices. That said, the connection I like the most is to Hans Christian Andersen's horrific fairy tale titled The Red Shoes. In this story, a young girl named Karen insists on her wearing her dopest red shoes everywhere, including <gasps> to church, and her vanity gets her cursed so that her red shoes never stop dancing, even after she has her feet amputated by the local executioner. I told you it was horrific. The moral is effectively don't be vain, which is not high on Mr. Sinister's list of fairy tale morals learned. So while the secret could be in reference to a Sinister clone literally wearing red shoes, or even more exciting, in alternate reality, Sinister wearing red shoes, it could also just be a riddle telling us that Mr. Sinister is impossibly vain, and that his ego will always drive him to truly sinister acts of betrayal. He'll always be plotting something in secret that may throw everything Moira, Mags, and Prof are planning out the window. Sinister secret number two. The thrill of cracking the second Sinister Secret has gone as the flower that's the fullest, a.k.a. Jumbo Carnation, a Grant Morrison creation from New X-Men, began appearing in the pages of Marauders. Jumbo was famously murdered in New X-Men, but has since been revived and is busy bonding with the likes of both Emma Frost and Callisto as a fashion magnate on Krakoa. Sinister Secret number three. 
the deceased red-headed pretender, is clearly a reference to Madeline Pryor, Sinister's clone of Jean Grey, who went on to become the Goblin Queen during the X-Men event Inferno circa 1989. It's worth noting here that this is not the only reference to Inferno we'll be seeing throughout Sinister's secrets, not by a long shot. The most interesting tease is that Pryor, who we've already seen returned in the pages of Hellions number one, left behind more than secrets. Possible secrets here left by Maddie include, number one, demons from her reign as Goblin Queen. There may be demon sleeper agents Madeline Pryor left behind all around the world. This would support my theory that we're due for an impending Inferno 2.0 event from Marvel and the X-Men line. Idea number two, kids. Madeline is Cable's birth mother, and given Scott Summers' world's worst father approach to her and baby Cable, it would not be surprising if there was a second child she kept secret from Scott and company. And then the third possibility is she left behind sinister clones. During the Kieran Gillen run, written run of Uncanny X-Men, we see Sinister at times surrounded by clones of Madeline Pryor. While these clones appear less autonomous than the original, it's not impossible that the real Maddie has collected an army of clones herself. Moving on to Sinister Secret number four. Number four is one of the trickiest to decipher, so I have two working theories, and I find both of them super exciting. For the first, I have to credit a really cool CBR theory, I'll link in the show notes to that article, that suggests this may have to do with Captain Marvel's role in Jonathan Hickman and Isad Ribich's 2015 Secret Wars, my favorite comic book event of all time. In the aftermath of Secret Wars number 4, Carol Danvers, Captain Marvel, one of only a handful of survivors from Earth-616, quite literally washes up on Bar Sinister, the Baron Sinister's domain in Emperor God Doom's Battleworld. Next we see Carol, she's wearing a sinister diamond in the middle of her forehead and scheming with the Baron about plans to betray Emperor Godoom in the climactic final event battle. Honestly, there's so much left to parse out here from this tease. Uh, Carol's straight punching Sinister in the face to get him where she wants him, so who's in charge? Sinister seems to like it, so again, who's in charge? To whether or not this is really Carol Danvers of Earth-616, or a clone, hence the red diamond on her forehead, plus there's some delicious wordplay in this sin- in this secret um, to be had with everyone's wrapped up in current events, signaling that a past event comic may be exactly what this is a reference to. If all this means a battle world bar Sinister Carol, a longtime X-Men alley, is somehow around in Earth-616, I'll be absolutely over the moon. The other possibility is a reference to Kate Pride and her inability to use Krakoan gate technology throughout the Dawn of X. In a sense, Kate washes ashore in her tiny sail vessel in Marauders No. 1, due to necessity. Kate struggles to use gates for all mutants, makes me wonder if she could be a part of all things Sinister, or in other words, a clone, tempered genetics via Mr. Sinister. Could Kate be all things Sinister? She straight up named her team the Marauders, after all. Could Sinister have cloned her, causing her problems with the Gates? Why else has Sinister Secrets moved to the pages of the comic book series Marauders? As far as we know, Kate is the only known mutant who can't access Krakoan via Gates, and it has since been revealed that she can't be revived via the, the mutant resurrection protocols as well. First off, again, she named her team Marauders. She can't be revived. Likewise, Sinister Secrets number 11 through 20 are all in the pages of Marauders. There's a lot here at play that Sinister and Kate have some possible connection that has not yet been revealed, and I'm buying into it. Um, This could explain Sinister's caution not to embrace the revelry in the secret as well to his Sinisters, because maybe there won't be anything for you to celebrate because clones can't be revived, a la Kate. Although, okay, I'm still waiting for her to be revived somewhere in X-Men as well. 
Sinister Secrets revealed number one. In revealing where Sinister got his implanted mutant genes, he characteristically raises even more questions. Sinister's mutant gene is from John Proudstar, a.k.a. Thunderbird, who was introduced in 1975's Giant Size X-Men number one, before promptly dying the next mission during Chris Claremont's start on the title in Uncanny X-Men 94 and 95. Apart from the mystery of why Sinister would select Thunderbird, there's also the mystery of why Thunderbird may or may not have been resurrected on Krakoa. Unlike basically Marvel, unlike basically every other Marvel character, John Proudstar's generally stayed dead, temporary necrosure or chaos war event notwithstanding. His ghost-like appearance in the recent giant-sized Nightcrawler also calls into question just where the heck is John Proudstar. Now, Sinister's ownership of Thunderbird's DNA implies a couple things. One, Sinister was there at the start of the all-new, all-different X-Men lineup in some capacity, close enough in one of his many alter egos to get access to John Proudstar. Or two, John Proudstar did not die in the Uncanny X-Men 94-95 plane explosion. After all, Count Nefarious survived too, and Sinister may have found the body. This gives me serious X-Men the Animated Series morph vibes, where Sinister found and manipulated a former X-Men character for his own nefarious ends. I realize this may not jive with Necrotia or Chaos War, but again, that's just as far as we know. Moving on to the second data page of Sinister Secrets and number five. On the surface, this is clearly a reference to Wolverine, Jean Grey, Scott Summers, and maybe Emma's polyamorous relationship status, but there's one detail that muddies the waters. She's married with a kid. Jean Grey and Scott definitely got married, but technically Jean didn't give birth to Nathan Summers, aka Baby Cable. That said, Nathan's the son of Scott and her clone, and during the adventures of Cyclops and Phoenix, she certainly takes on the role of Cable's mom, so I'm willing to roll with it. We've certainly seen plenty of indicators that the love lives of this long-time romantic competition are in a new normal, from open door plans in the Summer's house to the way Wolverine interacts with Jean and Scott in the likes of Wolverine number 1 and X-Men number 7. In other news, I'd like to take a little bit of credit for making it this far into the secret without a cringe-inducing use of the phrase, thruple. Moving on to Sinister Secrets number 6. Secret 6 is actually quite clear, but only if you've read the short-lived Spider-Man and the X-Men. The progerian mutant, progeria is a disease that causes rapid aging or the appearance thereof, is Ernst, one of Spider-Man's students at the Jean Grey school. During the series, it turns out Ernst is a mole for Mr. Sinister, collecting DNA samples of every student and teacher at the Jean Grey school in order to get Sinister help to create a new body for No Girl, aka Martha, aka Ernst's best friend since New X-Men, written by Grant Morrison. Although Spidey in the special class stops Sinister in that series, he reveals here that he maintained his DNA samples of the Jean Grey school students and staff. So he has those on hand, which may or may not come up later in Sinister Secrets. In number seven, I've already gone mildly overboard on the role of Vulcan in the X-Men's Krakoa era in another episode of Kraken Krakoa, but I'll summarize two possible theories here, both of which revolve around the presence of multiple copies of Gabriel Summers. The first is my initial theory that when Shi'ar Emperor Dakan aged baby Vulcan up to his teenage years, this happens in, I believe, X-Men Deadly Genesis, he kept copies of Vulcan's DNA and created clones. We know the Shi'ar had this tech, so it's not that hard to extrapolate. The wilder and more entertaining theory, which I've seen posited by several readers in the CBH YouTube channel comments, is that the Vulcan we see resurrected on Krakoa is not the same Vulcan that was left to die in the fault during War of Kings, and that Vulcan remains very much alive. I don't know how sinister of all people would know about Emperor Vulcan's true status, unless he's returned and they're working together, which would be amazing, but it would go a long way to explaining why Gabriel Summers is no longer acting like a psychopathic murderer on Krakoa and has suddenly become actually very fun. The other likely, frankly hilarious possibility is the long-anticipated reveal of Adam X the Extreme as another Summers brother. In addition to the most 90s character to ever 90s, Adam is a Shi'ar mutant hybrid with a mysterious connection to the Summers family, long rumored to be the actual third Summers brother, until Gabe showed up and ruined the surprise in X-Men Deadly Genesis. 
for Sinister Secrets number 8. We've gotten plenty on this one throughout the Dawn of X, and I've covered a few Kraken Krakoas on the secret history of Apocalypse's first horsemen and my theory that Ten of Swords will be heavily focused on these horsemen. Long story short, Apocalypse's first most powerful horsemen are trapped on Rocco, the other half of Krakoa, and at his behest, those horsemen are keeping Earth safe in an eternal war. He'd like to free them, and I anticipate we'll see that in Ten of Swords. For Sinister Secret number 9, this one could certainly go a lot of directions, but I have one strong leading theory and then several, well, why nots? My leading guess is Sinister 9 refers to Warlock and Doug Ramsey. This would not have been my first gifts, guess in the aftermath of House of X and Powers of 10, but especially in light of X-Men number 7 and Giant Size Nightcrawler number 1, the clues are starting to pile up. First off, looking at the secret, the copy refers to the kids, which would be most in line with these longtime new mutants. Cypher and Warlock aren't a romantic couple, as far as we know, but they have been linked as both friends and Douglock, a more symbiotic relationship, making them a total non-couple couple. Now, in regards to the fireworks we can expect, this remains mysterious, but what I find intriguing is the fact that Doug is clearly keeping Warlock's presence secret from the rest of the Krakoan nation. When Ileana sees Warlock in giant-sized Nightcrawler, Doug makes her swear to not tell anybody. This has the potential to tie into the line, is the universe ready, as Warlock's presence as a technarch on Krakoa may lead to a war with either the technarchy or phalanx, alien races long tied to the character and heavily utilized in Powers of Ten. Other guesses that lose the, you know, the kids are all right part of these connections. One, Gene Phoenix, definitely a non-couple couple. Professor X and Myra, non-couple couple. Mystique and Destiny, totally a couple, but, you know, labeled as a non-couple throughout Marvel history because of their fear of same-sex relationships editorially. I particularly like the possibility of a reference to Gene and the Phoenix Force here, given the promise of fireworks in The Secret and concern for the entire universe. That one makes a lot of sense as well. The second Sinister Secret that is revealed is Sinister's anticipation of an upcoming Inferno 2.0. It's quite interesting, and we've already seen hints of connections to the original Inferno popping up throughout the Dawn of X. Good grief, I cannot get the animation right here and elsewhere in Marvel Comics. For those newer to X-Men, Inferno was a massive crossover event in 1989 that impacted all the X-Men comics as well as many across the Marvel Universe. There are a lot of threads within, but the main hook is a demonic invasion in New York City, with Madeline Pryor turning into the Goblin Queen and Ileana Rasputin finally giving into her darker, dark child persona. It's a coming back. We've seen a handful of characters say this word. I know Magneto was probably the first. I don't remember if that's an X-Men number one or shortly thereafter, but it has definitely come up. So how are we moving elsewhere towards Inferno 2.0? Well, as previously mentioned, the return of Madeline Pryor, the Goblin Queen, is an instant pull back towards Inferno in that era. Not for nothing, there's also Mephisto's Hotel Inferno, planted right in the middle of Marvel's Las Vegas in current Marvel Universe continuity. And finally, Belasco, longtime ruler of Limbo, dimension of these demons, with big-time connections to Ileana Rasputin, has recently been seen creeping around the pages of Marvel's Ghost Rider. The build is certainly there. The final, original Sinister Secret from Powers of Ten, number 10 itself, is when Charles Xavier and Magneto turn to Sinister for aid in Powers of Ten, number 4, if memory serves, strongly against the advice of Myra McTaggart, Charles uses his psychic abilities to make Sinister forget why he's working on creating genetic databases for them until Professor X deems it the right time. Sinister number 10 tells us that the sinister Charlie brainwash is no longer running the show, and that Professor X and Magneto's plan control the glamorous mad scientist has been lost. 
This may also mean that the sinister on Krakoa isn't even a mutant, or potentially that he's using DNA other than Thunderbirds, or some combination a la Ashimura. Either way, it locks in the already locked-in eventuality that a sinister betrayal is on the horizon. And with that said, we're going to move into Sinister Secrets number 11 through 15. We are now moving into selections from Marauders number 1, which is the comic book series where Sinister Secrets has continued. From Marauders, we clearly know Kitty slash Kate is offered and eventually accepts the position of the Hellfire Club's Red Queen. We also see Emma Frost offer Storm the position, but it's unclear who the alternate second choice may have been. We know Shaw was offering the position around until he was overpowered by Emma Frost's status, after all. While this might seem kind of irrelevant, now that Shaw has since Marauders number 6, and again, there's going to be spoilers for Marauders here, so bail now if you haven't read this, he assassinated Kate, and the five are unable to bring her back. Shaw's pick for Leader of the Red may again be relevant. There were a ton of theories about who this might be before Kate was confirmed, including a whole crack in Krakoa by yours truly, but my favorite picks right now remain Selene, the vampiric mutant with Hellfire Club ties. I'll also fix it on Sinister's use of It Won't Last in this secret, which implies he either had knowledge of Shaw's plans to assassinate Kate, or he's running his own game here on Kate Pride and knows things like why can't use the gates or apparently undergo resurrection, which again explains his presence here in the pages of the Marauders series. Looking now to Sinister Secret number 12, feels like foreshadowing for the eventual attack on Kate Pride and Lockheed that has left Kate absent from Marauders, presumed dead, and Lockheed in recovery. I'd consider this secret pretty well resolved, although I think the use here of the fact that the seas need to be uh, navigated carefully are deep and red could also refer to blood, impending war, um, possible like nation states like Russia that could be tricky for the X-Men. There are alternates here as well. Sinister secret number 13, who has been left out of Hellfire Club proceedings that would be the most pissed off. There are plenty of great options here, as well as some very unlikely ones. Shouts to OG Hellfire Inner Circle dude Harry Leland, my two faves. Tying back to one I just previously mentioned, Celine has a long, long history with the Hellfire Club. She's also the sort who would take great offense to not even being invited by Sean Emma. And the second is a longer shot, but one that would be the inclusion of Miss Sinister. Believe it or not, a former Hellfire Club Inner Circler herself. I have no idea what to make of Miss Sinister in this Krakoan era of Sinister Secrets, but her presence would certainly get my attention. The final theory that inverts the use of black and white to mean the character's costume instead of the Hellfire Club's inner circles could make a case for a return of Phantomax. There are pretty loose connections here, I think. It's the color scheme and the use of the French faux pas, so I don't have a ton of faith of that, but it's interesting to call out and consider. In Sinister Secret number 14, in addition to making us aware of Sinister's recent read of the absolutely incredible Superman Smashes the Clan by Jean Luen Yang and Guri Hero, this secret uses the phrase Looky Lou, which means someone who keeps looking without buying, for example at a store window, or who keeps looking at something giving it unwanted attention. My first thought, given the hate group connotations of humans wearing sheets, is a group like the Purifiers, most commonly associated with General William Stryker, and viewing themselves in a holy war against mutants. It could also easily be in reference to new mutant-obsessed religions like those that have popped up in the pages of X-Force. It also doesn't seem like a total accident that the allusions to KKK occur in a series that had the literal hate monger show up, so I could see this having something to do with Hominus Verendi as well, as they are the ones who employed the hate monger. In Sinister Secret number 15, initially I thought the use of turning heads could mean snapping necks, which brings to mind X-Force, but I'm not sure what they have to do with boats, so I'm kind of ruling that out. 
Instead, I expect this secret is a reference to Yellow Jacket's miniature submarine inside Pyro that he used to make his way to Krakoa until the mutants jettisoned him in Marauders No. 9. That said, the Marauders vessel isn't the only one in use by the Hellfire Club, as we've seen ships belonging to the likes of Christian Frost and Shinobi Shaw. The secret could still refer to one of the Hellfire Club's own ships, although I admit I'm unsure of which it might be. Now we're moving into Sinister Secrets 16 to 20 selections as seen in Marauders No. 8. Number 16 is an odd one on the surface because it appears to just be Mr. Sinister calling out Kate for missing a meeting, you know, because she was busy drowning. If you buy into my theory that there's a reason Sinister Secrets has moved to the pages of Marauders, though, this ties back to the theory that Sinister is way more involved in Kate's status than we've seen, and he's really digging in here. Of course, he respects the power move he made one years ago when he replaced Kate with a clone, or in some way altered her DNA using the Jean Grey school samples he stole, with Ernst's help, of course, in Spider-Man and his amazing X-Men friends. Sinister Secret, number 17. A certain quirky cue sounds like Quentin Choir, and this sounds like Quentin's trying to impress a girl on Krakoa and needs an outfit from Jumbo Carnation to make it happen, or so he believes. I can't say who Quentin is after. He's historically had a relationship with the Stepford Cuckoos, I think Sophie, I believe, but there's a lot of baggage between them at this point. For example, I think he may have gotten her killed. But I do like bringing him and Jumbo back into a plot thread. Back in Grant Morrison's written New X-Men, it's Jumbo's death following a hate crime that inspires Quentin to rebel and lead to the riot at Xavier's. A definite recommended read for those of you who have not. In Sinister Secret number 18, I thought maybe this was a play on words, but nope, Stinger is actually a direct reference to a deep-cut mutantum, one Wendy Sherman, debuting as part of Apocalypse's short-lived alliance of evil in 80s X-Factor. During the Utopia era of X-Men, Stinger and Bobby Drake became friends, so it's not impossible that the mom-to-be will play a role in Marauders moving forward, although certainly that would be unexpected. Whether or not her kid will play a role, the father will play a role, of course, remains to be seen. I have no idea who that individual might be. And Sinister Secret number 19, and Sinister Secret Revealed number 3, the final Sinister Secrets that we have so far, this answer is immediately revealed as Fenris, and of course, Sinister's right. Fenris sucks. In Marauders number 8, Shinobi Shaw brings the Von Strucker twins into the fold as his Black Knights, and we're all poorer for it. In short, Andrea and Andreas Von Strucker are the twins of Baron Von Strucker, and like their dad, they're Nazi supremacists. Their mutant abilities, implanted by Dr. Arnim Zola, activate when they're in contact with one another, so if you start getting serious Cersei Jamie vibes, there's a reason. In their first appearance, Andrea shoots Storm in the head, so let's just say the Von Struckers are a controversial add to the Kirkoan population. On a final note, as fun as it is to dissect all these sinister secrets, it's also a reminder that almost no one on Krakoa is as plugged into mutant kinds day-to-day as Mr. Sinister. On one hand, yes, I take for granted that sinister secrets are a convenient plot device to deliver all these riddles in one place, but practically speaking, it also means Sinister has eyes and ears absolutely everywhere. I'm really curious to see this explored a little bit more and understand how he is doing that. Where are these eyes and ears? Are they his clones? Are they implanted across Krakoa? What are his methods? Plus, having done now the extensive research, I also have to consider that Mr. Sinister is one of the least trustworthy voices on Krakoa, and that his secrets might mean nothing at all, or be entirely fabricated. After all, it's a gossip column, and believing everything you read there is a recipe for letdown. Nonetheless, some secrets have already paid dividends, and I expect more will in the future.
Thanks for listening, everybody. If you would like to possibly support Comic Book Herald, you can go on over to patreon.com slash comicbookherald to find benefits and all sorts of things that keep the lights on here. I do have to thank our supporters in the Mysterious Benefactor tier for making content like this possible. Thank you, Jeff Zacharias, Trey Conrad, Jesse W., Slatron, Robert Mickelson, Professor Pride, and Steve Brennan for your very, very generous support. Again, I'm Dave Busing, founder and editor-in-chief of Comic Book Herald. You can find my writing at comicbookherald.com. You can find me on social at Comic Book Herald, and you can find my podcast at Best Comics Ever and My Marvelous Year. And again, you can look for ways to support the site and get bonuses like priority access to questions over at patreon.com slash comicbookherald. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I would love to hear your thoughts on all these sinister secrets. Comments here at the YouTube channel, wherever you can find me online. I want to know what you think, what's working, what's not. Talk to me about X-Men. I love the opinions and theories I've been getting from so many of you. So thanks for listening, and as always, enjoy the comics. (laughs) 